become the person God designed us to be. So session one is entitled Discovering the Spirit. First though, we need to acknowledge that God made us. We didn't create ourselves. We are his handiwork and therefore only the creator knows our full potential. So we are his project and by his Holy Spirit he endeavours to guide us through life to become the person he designed us to be. Not what we think we should be. As God's handiwork we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And yet we had nothing to do with it. It was always God's desire that we should be what he intended us to be, even if it takes our lifetime. After all, God does have all the time in the world. God wants us to flourish, to receive life from him. Flourishing is God's gift and God's plan for you. Flourishing isn't about how successful you are in business or how successful you are in life. It means becoming the person God had in mind when he created us. I looked up the dictionary definition of the verb flourish and I like what I read. It said, to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way especially as the result of a particularly congenial environment. And if our God wants us to flourish in that way, who can say no to that? Psalm 92 verses 12 and 13 tells us, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. God is interested in your individual restoration and growth. He didn't design you to be anything other than what he planned for you. You see, if you were an acorn... God would not want or expect you to become a rose bush. He designed acorns to become oak trees. Now, of course, there are feeble-looking oak trees and mighty oaks that they used to build ships from. But they're still oak trees. So if flourishing is becoming more of what God made you to be... Does this raise the question in our minds that we need to we need answers to? Is there something you're trying to be that God did not design you for? Have you given up, consciously or not, on some of God's dreams for you? What experiences, thoughts? or reasons have contributed to that. I'm going to put up on the screen a PowerPoint presentation of questions 
that John Ortberg wants us to consider. He follows each question with a possible answer, after which there are other answers to the same question, but these are either the problems that John Ortberg has faced, or some might be my own. I'm not going to tell you which is which. But I confess, I identify with each of the answers to some degree. What about you? First one, Martin. The me I pretend to be. I suppose we're all guilty of this as Christians. We try to project the sort of person we want others to believe we are. Let's go to the first, all right, next one. That's one of the answers. I try to convince people I am important. Whoops, the light bulb's in the way. (laughs) While securely fearing I'm not. Give that some thought. It's all right, I I can't see the screen yet. Thank you. That's it, lovely. Yes, I think we all, uh, there's an element of pretense with most of us. Let's go to the next question. Ah, no, I missed one. All right, the the last part of that, why does my neighbour make me feel like I need to pretend? Uh, I won't tell you whether that's my interpretation of that, an answer to that question, or John Altberg's. You'll have to work that one out yourself. But it's a very pertinent answer. We do tend to pretend we're things we're not, even to our friends. Next one. The me I think I should be. I think, again, we're all not necessarily guilty of that, but it's something we think we should be. This is us taking control of our lives. I want to be the best I can for my Lord. And I suppose this is the basis of the book, that we have to hand ourselves over to the Lord and say, Lord, make me the sort of person you want me to be because I'm not very good at doing it on my own. So, oh, you just jumped the gun there, right? Have you? <laughs> I have a need to try to be someone I'm not, often motivated by comparison. Well, that is possibly a similar question to one of the others that we'll come up against in a moment. It's... I suppose it's part of our Christian growth. When we first became a Christian, we would look at those people we admired and we wanted to be like them. But that's not necessarily what God wants us to be about. Next one.
I try to be like the Christians I look up to and admire. Well, I will hold my hand up to that one. That's something that I have put down. I suppose we've all got our favourites. We all like to be a Billy Graham when we are evangelising, but we just don't have that charisma or gift. But there are people I admire, and without embarrassing him, I admire Martin in his ministry. And I thank him for that ministry because I've learnt so much sitting at his feet, figuratively speaking. But there are people who can move us. And I suppose really that's one of the beauties of going to church. I mean, we all know you can't be a Christian on your own. You need fellowship. You need to commune with others. You need to rub shoulders with people who've got the same hang-ups, frustrations. And we can see them growing over the years. I mean, I know Diane won't mind me mentioning when you first started to come to church you were a bit lost as to where you were at I've seen you grow well you've got a way to go as we all have but wow it's encouraging don't stop growing in the Lord next one Martin the me other people want me to be now that's an interesting one um my wife's not here, so I'm quite safe to say this. Um, <clears throat> I used to give her my sermon notes to read, and she would red pencil them. You can't say that. Why not? It'll upset people. Tough, you know, was my response. Um, it's in scripture. Yes, but there's a way of putting it. We would, uh, and it, it affected our marriage to a lesser degree, but. Uh, it's not easy. People want you to be the sort of, well, something different to what you are. And go on to the next part of that. I don't feel free to be myself. I follow others' agendas. And the next part, Martin. I'm told I should be more like other Christians... Yes, I, I, I can identify with that. Again, going back to, you know, the great evangelists. I mean, we, when we go to New Wine, we hear great preachers. Um, they're charismatic. But could I be like that? Would I want to be like that? Is it what the Lord wants me to be? Only he knows the answer to that, but it does make me think sometimes, do I have to change to what people expect of me? I mean, I'm a very flippant sort of person for which I'm always getting told off. I did, I think I shared with some some of you when I was in hospital in Italy and uh, we were having a daily visit from the Catholic priest 
who spoke just a few words of English, my wife was there, and uh, he said to me, I pray? I said, yes, please. So he prayed in Latin, Italian, I don't know what, but he prayed. And I thanked him for that. And I said, me pray, me pray. So I prayed for him. I don't suppose he understood a word, but there was a oneness. And I said, do you live locally? Trying to sort of point to houses and, you live here? No, he lived over on Capri. And he used to get a boat in two or three times a week. And he was the hospital chaplain. I thought, what a job, living on Capri. So I said to him, tell me, do you come by boat or do you walk on water? To which my wife, well, I won't tell you what she said. She told me to control myself. Well, that's, that's me. You know, I, I, sometimes I do, I think, why did I say that? You know, it just slips out. But I'm, I don't suppose I'll change. I'm a bit too old in the tooth for that. Although the Lord is working on me. We'll have the next one. The me I want to be. That's a tough one, because I suppose in truth we all know the sort of person God really wants us to be. But are we prepared to do what he asks? We'll go to the next part of that. I like trusting God's love and plan. I equate spiritual maturity with trying hard to follow the Bible's rules. That is a tough one. Very, very tough. I suppose in truth it's... If I was to allow God to do what he wants with me, I'm a little bit apprehensive as to where he would take me or what he would ask me to do. Lack of trust, lack of faith, I don't know, but... um, bit too old in the tooth to become a missionary in outer Mongolia but who knows the Lord has plans I lack trust when it comes to following God's promptings now I suppose one of the easiest things to identify within that is when we are We all pray, Lord, give me the opportunity to share your good news with a stranger. You're standing at a bus stop or in a shop, and you get this prompting. Just share the good news. Do we? Can we? Do we have the bottle to do it? Well, maybe not, but I'm not averse to saying to people, God bless you. And it makes them sit up sometimes. It's... I'm getting there slowly. Where are we at? Well, the next one, please. The me I want to be, the me that fails to be, yeah, and the next part. I'm missing 
in mental and emotional vitality and my soul is weary. I had a bit of trouble trying to get my mind around that. But yes, the next part, this is mine. I have a lethargy in my life as a result of being too busy. It's, you get to that point in life where you say, oh, I just can't do any more. I've got enough on my plate. Um, I lead a, okay, I'm retired, but I still lead a busy life. And can I take on more? And when I wrote that down, that's my own thoughts. I remember something that I read once about love. You love someone and you give, and you give a bit more. And then you give even more. You do not stop giving. You do not stop loving. There's always more to give. Again, that's perhaps my own interpretation of that, uh, that I put the brakes on giving. I give as best as I can, but the Lord wants me in my entirety. No strings attached. And finally, the best version of me is... I am fully alive inside and growing. Yes, that I can identify with. And the, I think I put something after that as well, Martin. Did I or not? No, I didn't. Right. <laughs> what I was thinking of at the time was... I am alive in the Lord... I have grown over my 40 years as a Christian, slowly and surely. But I live each day, each morning, I praise the Lord. And I have to say that one of the people who gave me that thought was dear George. George Graham was going to the uh, his um, dialysis on about a week before he died, and I said to him, "George, you are a happy-looking fellow. How do you keep it up?" He said, "Because every morning I wake up and I just praise the Lord that I'm alive, and it's a God-given day." Wow! How can you say that in adversity? But he did, and he meant it. Um, yes, he left his legacy with me, and no, no doubts about that. And I, I thank him for it. So, let me continue. God is moving us towards his best version of us. God thought you up and knows exactly what he intended you to be. He has many good works for you to do. As God helps you to grow, you will change. But you will always be you, 
It's just that he wants you to be the you he always planned you to be. Our problem is that we think we can achieve our full potential without his help and direction. If someone were to ask you how your spiritual life is going, what factors would you consider in your response? How would you go about assessing yourself? It's it's one of those questions that I, I asked myself once, am I growing in the Lord? You know, I still struggle. I remember when I was training as a reader and uh, I think it was in the, in the days of um, Bishop David Say and he was uh, giving us a, a lesson at uh, Graham Cheeseman House and he said to me, um, how's it going Harry? I said, oh, it's tough. I said, I have to confess, I said, if you were to ask me what book comes after Ecclesiastes, I couldn't tell you. And he looked around and he said, well, neither could I. He said, but I've, there's a secret. He said, it's called the index. I use it all the time. And I thought, how, how humble, lovely. <laughs> and it, it gave me encouragement that even a bishop hasn't got all the answers. I remember speaking to my tutor about how I felt that I was growing in the Lord over my, during my training. And um, my tutor was Joy Tetley, who was a wonderful woman. And I said, there were about a group of uh, about 12 of us. And I said to her at the end of one session, I said, I am a little bit worried. I said, you know, my brothers and sisters in the Lord are able to quote chapter and verse I have troubles finding my way around the book and she said Harry don't change you ask all the questions that they're dying to ask but they haven't got the bottle to ask it yeah well, I still do that I still ask daft questions I ask Martin daft questions it doesn't always give me an answer but it's Bless him. <laughs> to help you think through this question, John Altberg, Ortberg poses the following counterfeit versions of us that we sometimes choose to portray. Do they really depict the sort of person we would like to be or we are fooling ourselves? I'm sorry, they, they were on the, the slides that I showed earlier. They were the counterfeit questions. With God's help, reflect on your tendencies and patterns and you'll see the gap between the counterfeit you that you try to portray to others, that you sometimes choose, and the you that God made you to be. The message paraphrase of the Bible, Paul writes, rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. 
Closing the gap doesn't come from following the rules or trying harder to be good. The gap, moving from the counterfeit you to the you that you want to be, can only be filled by God's grace and by living in the flow of the Spirit. Rest is another factor in becoming who God made you to be. Rest is important. It's important enough that even God rested when he created the world. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 11:29 that he desires us to find rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. What are some of the ways you receive rest, rejuvenation, and vitality from God that allows you to flourish? God is interested in your individual restoration and growth. My sincere prayer for each of you is that by God's grace you will each become the sort of person he longs you to be. And the litmus test is when people see the difference in you from what you used to be to what you have become. Amen.